Before I read the New Testament lesson, a couple uh, piece of, pieces of background information. We are in a season in the life of the church which is called Advent, which simply means coming or arrival. It's a season in which we celebrate, we give thanks for uh, the fact that God and Jesus Christ did arrive, came in a manger, walked among us, loved us to the point of death, gave us and gives us life. But even more, it is a season in which we wait for the second coming of Jesus, the second arrival, the time when God's kingdom and way and love and justice are made known fully on this earth as it is in heaven. Advent, in many ways, then, is a season which is really every single day of the year in which we long in this broken world, this this world torn by darkness and the reality of sin, we long for the wholeness and truth of God's kingdom to be made pervasive. Our New Testament scripture speaks about the second coming of Jesus and, and really the posture we are to have in light of this truth. It comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verses 32 to 37. Jesus is speaking to his followers. But about that day and hour, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I will say to all, keep awake. The word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. This scripture speaks to two kind of people, two kind of postures, I think, that generally exist when it comes to waiting for Jesus' second coming. And, and this scripture then calls both types of people to a very specific posture, a specific way of being. But before we get to where Jesus takes us, let's consider, I think, the two kind of people implied by this passage. And the first group of folks Jesus addresses are the anxious kind. I I can remember as a child when the Persian Gulf War was going on, and I heard whispered around town and around my school and around my church on a few occasions, Saddam Hussein could be the Antichrist. I think think this might be the end. And since then, I have heard that kind of language repeated and said about every U.S. president, foreign dictators, Osama bin Laden, And the voice is usually one that's anxious, that's concerned. Sometimes they will share about an author they've been reading. And if if you pull together the book of Revelations with this kind of math formula and you see the kind of things going on in the world right now, you could see maybe this might be it. There's something I appreciate about this kind of person and it's that they're awake to the evil in the world. The the doomsday prediction type or or, or maybe even not doomsday, just folks that, that just they get worried They get a little anxious about all the things they see around their lives or the city or the world. What I appreciate about them is that they they see. I mean, they see and they grieve when evil is committed or the poor are forgotten or when one bears false witness against a neighbor or when there are so many victims of sexual abuse and harassment or when greed corrupts or when lives are taken unjustly or, or an infant dies because the system's broken and the care just couldn't 
get there. There is a type of people who see the darkness for what it is around them, within them, and they just they refuse to sugarcoat it or be blind to it or put on a happy face. They, they ache, they grieve, they worry. But this kind of person can sometimes let the darkness just make them very anxious. And that anxiety can get fueled in all kinds of ways. Some, they just worry the anxiety is going to overcome them, overcome the church, just it's the end of the nation. It's, it, they can get paralyzed with fears and what-ifs. Some, that worry gets funneled into these doomsday predictions about the end and what that might look like, and, and they get into some of that prophecy and prediction-making, and they wonder about the day, the hour. But about the day and the hour, no one knows. Neither angels in heaven nor the sun, but only the Father. All that energy, all that time, all that focus, all that anxiety put into reading the signs, worrying, is this when we finally something? Jesus essentially says, drop it. Nobody, no humans, no angels, not even the Son of God as he's walking the earth, nobody but God the Father knows. The anxiety is not helpful or needful. There is another way to grieve and ache in the darkness, but then channel the energy a different way. We're going to get to where Jesus would point. But first, the second kind of person. There's a second kind of person, I think, who smiles knowingly when Jesus says those, those first words. Nobody knows the, the day or the time. They're, they're the kind of people that honestly don't think that much about this whole second coming stuff a lot. Yeah, let's not get all bent out of shape about when God's coming and God's kingdom on earth is fully here. Look, the Lord will take care of us. Let's just get on with being faithful. And there's a strength to this kind of person. And the strength is they're often the type of people that really are confident that things are going to work out. Even in the most dire situation in the news or, or tragedy in their own lives, they have this confidence that God is good and God will work this for good. God will redeem this. They're anchored by this. But the second kind of person sometimes, not always, sometimes their confidence can also make them seem smug or appear uncaring or just get apathetic. They believe God can and will do work for good and and so they really don't need to get their hands that dirty on behalf of the immigrant or the poor or the widow. they don't really get their hands dirty in, in, in a lot of listening and grief with those who hurt. They, they, they don't have that prophetic fire in their bellies that just aches for change amid deep and grievous injustice. It's as if a certain kind of confidence in God can make people a bit sleepy. Don't need to pay attention and kind of relax because God has it. Beware, keep alert. Three times in those few verses, keep alert, keep awake, keep awake. As much as Jesus' first line confronts the overly anxious type, Jesus seems actually more concerned about a certain type of Jesus follower whose confidence makes them sleepy. God is sovereign. God has got it. And so in two short sentences, Jesus confronts the type of person who's easily worried and overly confident. The anxious but also the apathetic, the frenzied, but also the sleepy, the bent over with worry, but also the laid back. It's going to work out fine. 
To both groups, Jesus invites a different posture. And he gives it this way in a very short parable. This whole waiting for Jesus to come again, it's like a man going on a journey. And when he leaves his home, he commands the doorkeeper to be on watch. Members of the household doing this and that, and the doorkeeper to be on watch. The doorkeeper on watch, that really is the central image, the posture Jesus has here for what the church is to be like as we await the coming, the second coming of Jesus. Well, well, what does that mean, the doorkeeper on watch? A few days ago, I was pulling out of the Grace Covenant parking lot, and I saw someone I have passed nearly every single day of my time in Richmond. His name is Harold. He is the doorman over at one monument right there at Stewart Circle. Some of you are nodding your heads. You know who Harold is. I have waved to him plenty of times, and he always waves to me because that's what he does. He waves with a big smile. And I've said hi to him once or twice in person as well, but never really stopped. So I decided I'm going to stop. I'm going to chat with him. I walk up. I say, good morning. Good morning. And he offers that that great smile that accompanies all of of his waves. So I pass by you a lot, and and I've never really stopped and and said hello. And I I thought I'd say hello and thank you, because you you do what you do with such, such joy. He says, well, well, thank you. A smile, I believe, can make a big difference. How long have you been doing this, I asked him. Well, I've been retired for a number of years, but, but when in retirement my wife gave me a honey-do list this high, I said to myself, if I'm going to work this hard in retirement, I'm going to get paid. So uh, this guy, Harold, has for the last eight years been the doorman over there at One Monument. I enjoy it, he says. Now, if you know who I'm talking about, you do. You know he gets a lot of joy out, out of this whole thing. And, and so you also know how often he, he, he is leaning on the railing there at the top of the steps, scanning up and down Lombardy for the cars and the people and, and, and kind of going north and south and also looking east and west up and down Monument. He's eager to catch whoever's next, smile to whoever's next, say hello to the next car. And I have seen Harold wave hello to people who just pass by without a clue. And I've seen him also wave hello and smile to to people who it's obvious this is like their daily I can't wait to say hi to Harold moment. The doorkeeper at watch is Jesus' image for the church. And I am convinced that Harold's lean captures that posture so very faithfully because in part right the scripture tells us we are called to stay alert stay awake to lean into the thoroughfare God has placed before us looking for what God is doing and where God is leading and sometimes that means being very awake to and even bent over by the collisions we see right in our midst the thoughtless driving through life that we see right in our midst the people who are moving slowly or moving off to the side were so often not noticed. Leaning in sometimes means seeing even more of the potholes in the system and seeing how those always seem to hurt most, the ones who can't afford the better tires. Leaning in speaks to a church that leans into its reality, is fully connected and aware in every direction to the terrain, to the people, bent over and hurting for those who hurt, grieving with those who grieve, aching with those who ache, aching themselves, longing, scanning for Jesus to show up. 
The cross epitomizes Jesus' full leaning into the darkness. His full bodily ache for the darkness to be thwarted. His full condemnation of the darkness. In the cross, Jesus leans into the darkness. But Harold is lean, right? It's always, it's always with a smile, not distress, not anxiety. The church leans with a smile. Not naive, not plastered on, not can't we all just get along and not talk about all the things and gloss it over. No, it's the kind of smile that bends up almost counterintuitively with joy even as, as, as a tear is falling. It's the kind of smile that, that emanates from a, this deep settled sense of expectancy that Jesus will show up and probably actually already is showing up. It's, it's the kind of smile that expects to see and glimpse Jesus at work right in the midst of the collisions, the busyness, the potholes, and all the rest. It's the kind of smile that even in the grief and the ache and the longing, there is this holy confidence that the housekeeper's on his way back. You can already see his spirit at work, his love, his justice prevailing, and they will not ultimately be thwarted. Jesus rose from the grave three days later. His overcoming even the power of death and sin. They speak to the reason that we lean in, but we're never broken by what we see or experience. For for we know the darkness is overcome. It does not ultimately prevail. Jesus rose. And so that herald lean, that, that bend and that smile, it's about a people who take the cross and the empty tomb very seriously in their approach to life. I wonder what part of that posture is the Holy Spirit calling some of us to make adjustments, right? Maybe some of us here today have been bent over and just broken by the darkness within us, the addiction around us, the news. And we are. We're anxious, we're fearful, we're a fretting mess about what if and what if and what if. Take heart. I have overcome the world. I have come, I am come, and I will come. And so perhaps Jesus is calling some here to trust anew and and work on that kind of smile that's not not naive, not just plastered over, but, 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 but does, is grounded in that deep expectancy that Jesus will show up and in fact is already at work. Or perhaps some of us have been smiling. But, but maybe we notice we have stood a bit, a bit too upright in that smile. I don't, I'm not worried about you know, what that tax vote might mean for, for folks or what's happened over in Gilpin Court or why we've had more shootings than usual this year in Richmond or, or the nation. Or, I, I mean, it's important stuff, but I'm just not worried about it. God will take care of it. All things work for good for those who love him. I wonder, though, how is God calling some of us to lean in again with that, that holy fire that still believes that, but, but aches that this day it might be on earth as it is in heaven? Where have we perhaps gotten just a little sleepy and slumbery in our kind of confidence? And Jesus is crying in our ears, wake up, keep awake, stay alert. Where is the aching for those who grieve? Where, where's that holy fire you once knew in the 
pit of your belly that ached for God to show up this day. I asked Harold, do, do people ever, ever come up and talk to you like I'm doing right now? I mean, you just have this great joy. I, I imagine maybe it happens from time to time. He says, you know, you are hardly the first person to come and talk with me. He says he talks with all kinds of passerbyers, including senators and diplomats. They, they love to stop off and chat with him. He's talked to the Richmond Times-Dispatch, did a, a front-page piece in their magazine, what, in 2011, 2012, just because they noticed the way he did his doorkeeping. There was a woman who, who retired recently from her business somewhere right here along Monument. She came up to him and told him that the, the thing she's going to miss the most in her retirement is his smile and his wave each day. Word always gets out about people who lean into life a certain way. Word always gets out about the church that is bent over and aching with a holy fire on behalf of its community, its nation, its neighbor, and somehow smiling through the tears. Word always gets out about the the church of the cross and the church of the resurrection because word always gets out about Jesus when he's walking in our midst. I mean, imagine this Advent season. All of us in all this world scanning the horizon for Jesus' arrival, Jesus' coming. And there, in the way the church leans and the way the church smiles through tears, there already is a glimpse of the good news of the one who dwells among us. May we be the gift of God this season. Amen.